Hello and welcome to the Spoon Carving Conversations podcast, where I talk to spoon carvers from around the world about how and why they carve spoons. Today I'm talking with George Schulter, a goldsmith, jeweler and spoon carver from Münster, Germany. We spoke about George's work as a jeweler and teaching the unique method of Makume Gane, an old Japanese method for binding precious metals, which literally translates to wood grain metal. We also talked about how he fell into the rabbit hole of woodwork and why he enjoys and plans on staying there for the foreseeable future. George also spoke about his carving process and his passion for tools and why he has many more than most hobbyist carvers. Once again, it was a fun conversation with a fellow spoon carving enthusiast, and I really hope you enjoy listening. Hi, George. So, yeah, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Uh, hi, Simon. <laughs> so, yeah, really cool. I'm really happy that, um, yeah, we found some time to have a bit of a chat about uh, about spoons and, and tools and things related to this. So, thanks very much again, and... I know you. I've met you on um, Rise Up and Carve, which we might talk a bit about. And I saw you recently at a festival, Von Hunt Festival. So yeah, I do uh, know you to a degree. We've met, um, but I don't know so much about you. So maybe you could just tell me a bit um, about what your job is. If somebody meets you on the street and says, "Hi, what do you do for a living?" What do you What do you answer with? Um, yeah, my my, <laughs> I, my my description of myself is sometimes uh, being a goldsmith by day and a spoon carver by night. So I'm usually or normally a, um, a goldsmith. I also made a master degree in that job, and I work for a quite big jewelry company. Um, was leading the workshop there for many years, but. Um, as spoon carving gets bigger, and for myself, um, I, I, I quit doing the boss thingy there, and, and now I'm, I'm back to just yeah working there as a goldsmith, and really um, appreciate that. So I think the the when you have like a few people to to lead, you, you get caught up in a lot of computer work and, and, and stuff that is not really handcrafty and I wanted to go back to the basics there. So yeah, I really like that lately to really go back to the Bergbrett, wie man so schön sagt, how do you, you say, to back to the working table or something like yeah. that. So really making jewelry is my day job. Mm -hmm. But it's, uh, it's only a 30 hour job. So um, there's quite some space for Woodworking, spoon carving, and all this stuff I do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. As in any job, right? If it takes over your life and it can become a, a drag at some point, if it's too much, you've got to have some time for some other things. Carving yeah, spoons, for, for example. <laughs> yeah. Spoons and experiments. Yeah. 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 Did you, did you, um, I kind of thought just from looking at your Instagram, yeah, thought you were kind of doing your own jewelry. Are you doing that also, like making your own jewelry and selling your own things and also working for this company? Is that right? Yes, um, I have a, um, I was self-employed for a while, um, but it, this is like 15 something years ago. And my wife took over the job. She's a goldsmith too. And we have a workshop um, at home just for goldsmithing stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I, I never call myself a designer, but I, I, I like to have all the tools and machinery to do 
jewelry and and to to do whatever i i feel to do so i like to have um, a nice setup doing jewelry or a nice setup to do woodworking and yeah i'm a little bit maybe tool fanatic or something like that so yeah and um so yeah i, I do jewelry by myself as well and a special thing there is uh, mokomegane it's a japanese technique and uh, it's translated uh, wood pattern in metal. So you have like Damascus steel, but not steel. It's with precious metals like silver or copper or gold or palladium, or things like that. And so you create pattern in the metal um, through different layers, like 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 wood pattern. And mm-hmm. uh, I was teaching for a long time courses in Mokome, or, and, and I still do. Um, and so I'm, there was always a big part in my job to teach, uh, goldsmiths courses, Okume and some hollow forms and, and, uh, fold forming and Kyombu. And so they are, so I always try to, um, push myself doing courses. And I think, um, yeah, knowing what I know as a goldsmith um, comes a lot from, giving courses and making courses because then you teach a lot but you always get something from the from the participants back and they teach you sometimes and something mm-hmm. and and so you you get much more knowledge how to and where you get this and how you do that and and they always ask questions like how could you do this and that for mm-hmm. for example and then you have to try and you figure it out and and so you you expand your your knowledge or your 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 things, and you always get like little uh, things you have to try next time, and you want to try out to find out how it works and and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, I I can relate to that with a sport. Like you might teach something. That's my kind of thing. Then someone's like. Why don't you do it like this? You're like, mm, good question. I I don't know. Let me let me try. And yeah, definitely you can learn a lot from teaching and yeah answering those questions about yeah when, we do it like this yeah yeah and probably when you teach sport you do do also do sports you know you, you train yourself as well so um in the courses i i work always something from myself as well and i i, I show the people how to do this and that and but that trains mm-hmm. me as well it's not like i just show something i already know and and but uh, you keep in the rhythm or you keep in the in shape sort of Mm-hmm. Um, doing stuff so that's really nice yeah it makes you think and break down the processes a bit more right eh? like if you're teaching you kind of think what yeah to a degree why do i do this and how can i kind of um keep pass it on so it makes sense for someone else it's 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 nice to to teach right something you enjoy yeah. yourself and i think it's also um yeah when you when you when you do the daily business um you don't have so much room for trying out stuff um and and in mm-hmm. these authors the people are there to try out stuff so they're mm-hmm. really happy to to try and to experiment even with jewelry there so that's that's always quite cool <laughs> yeah and so yeah. did you always plan to like teach or did that kind of happen that kind of Role as a teacher. So, so um, I was working on an island um, in the north, in on Zylt, and my boss there, she was teaching in a Danish um, 
jewelry school um, next to the border. And, and she just took me with me and she was liking the courses as well to experiment, to find out new things to to. So she was always like the, she set a theme, oh, are we doing a course about steel and gold? And she has no clue about it. So three uh -huh. days before, oh shit, we have to find <laughs> out about steel and gold. And, <laughs> and so she, she was like really going crazy in these courses and she just took me with her and she asked me, yeah, you know, this was two colors, metals thing. So why don't you show that? And, and. So and then I got my own course after a while and, and made Mokomi courses in, in Denmark. Uh, it's uh, Rafstedhus. It's a nice company selling tools and supplies and have the school and Fleming, the, the owner, is a real cool guy. And yeah, so that's how it started. So I, I spent a few years just teaching there. And um, after a while, so Mokome, there are not so many people doing Mokome in Germany maybe 30, 40, few. And um, there are even less people teaching it. So another jewelry school asked me one day if I want to do courses over there. And then some guy in Switzerland asked me if I want to do courses over there. So um, so it, it, it's it expand. So it, it comes from this to that. And suddenly yeah. I was Mokome everywhere. <laughs> oh, interesting. And the people... Um, attending were they people like looking to get into the trade themselves or people doing it as a hobby because with with spoons most people attending I assume are kind of just like a hobby idea maybe eventually yeah. it leads to more but those um, classes you were giving there yeah the I, I would say mokume is quite a already complicated technique in, in jewelry making so um, it's like 80% of the people I teach are already goldsmiths. So they yeah. are looking for another field to try or to um, learn. Yeah. And um, But sometimes, um, so in, in, in Switzerland at Felix Stussi, Stussi where I teach, um, he has a lot of people who are hobby um, jewelry makers. So there the courses are a little bit more filled up with people who are not daily business jewelers or goldsmiths. Yeah. So, um, but you should make some jewelry courses before you <laughs> step into that Mokome thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this, this, this other theme, um, uh, this whole hollow forms or fold forming, um, that's a little bit more easy course. So that's, I really appreciate that because, so with Mokome, you make a sheet and you, you have to hammer it down to from eight millimeters to one millimeter. So that is like really exhausting and just keeps some like a day or something like that. So, uh, and, and this hollow form, fold forming course is quite easy. So after one or two hours, you have the first results and you have to more, more possibilities to play around. So, um, so I'm teaching like really sort of the, the difficult course and where mm -hmm. a lot of concentration and a lot of kind failures are involved and the other one is just like taking a copy sheet um fold it smith it hammer it and it's getting something out of it anyway so so it, that's also really nice to have that easy peasy course as well <laughs> for the people yeah i see yeah fascinating and working with the different materials was something like i wanted to ask you about um yeah, how was the change then from metal? Or did you always do stuff with wood from a younger age? Or was it like this metalwork jewelry stuff and then you 
found wood and kind of went more into this or how was that? I mean, when you're doing a, a, a metal thing that called wood pattern and metal, then you have to step <laughs> in wood things somehow someday. So I, I think I, um, yeah, I was playing around with wood quite, quite all the all my life, but in general, I would say in just metal. Um, but it was always like knitting a walking stick or something, uh, um, um, and and I don't know, making bow and arrow and stuff like that. What you do as a boy and stuff like that. Um, and I think it 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 getting a little bit more close to the wood thing. When my son was in an age where he wanted to have a bow and arrow, and then you. That was where YouTube was on, on, on the list suddenly and you watch a YouTube video and then you get sucked in because you, you, usually we just take a stick and made a rope from the one end to the other and that was the the, the arrow, the, the, the bow. Yeah. And then watch a YouTube video and then you have to find special wood and you have to carve <laughs> that and you have to grind it and you have to do this and that. And so you, you, you find really easy another rabbit hole. So I stepped into this rabbit hole of bow making and then I stepped into the yeah I, I do did blacksmithing also a little bit here and there and so you get into knife making and, and um, but I don't like grinding and polishing so much so I was more concentrated of making knife handles or hammer handles and smithing hammers for silver smithing that's another rabbit hole so I, I think I just climbed or jumped from one rabbit hole to the next and suddenly I was in the I, I think it started because of this knife making thing. I saw the Sloyd knife from Reed Schwartz and I thought, oh, that's just a beautiful knife. It's so simple. It's just a, uh, absolutely in the way of a knife handle. Uh, it was not a fancy knife handle. It was just mm -hmm. a piece of wood and a, and a copper pin on the end. And But the the object itself had this simplicity and this beauty. So I thought, oh, that, well, cool. What's And there was like, it's a Sloyd knife. I, I have no idea what Sloyd was. So, mm -hmm. and and then, uh, you, yeah, you, you search on and you find spoon carving. And uh, yeah, um, I think I, I spoon carving, I, I have this knife I made from a Ben file like 100 years ago. I think it was like 15, 20 years ago. So I was... Yeah to, to um, make sort of spoons a long time ago, but um, I didn't really catch up with it. And I think like Instagram and, and, and YouTube really this time get me hooked up with the spoon carving. And yeah, I think it, I really started it in, in 2017. Um, I was in, in, in the Netherlands on holiday and I just, yeah, I, I think there I started really carving spoons i would say and mm -hmm. yeah since then i you know i'm still in this rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> you're still in and still going deeper by the by the looks yeah. of things yeah because yeah you definitely have carved a lot of spoons right since then i think 2017 i looked at your instagram and that that sounds about right because it's kind of metalwork and hammers and and different tools yeah. and then uh, one spoon and then the spoons got more and more and yes, the wooden, wooden stuff so yeah really like yeah it did kind of uh, it was a a big rabbit hole to fall into in a sense um and maybe yeah, it okay. was, maybe it was also then this this uh, zoom and rise up and calf thing you know i i i 
I was on Instagram and and saw this rise up in calf, and I, I, I it always popped up here and there once and one again and once again, um, and then I think rise up in calf I think started in February and then I think in April or something or May I I, I joined and, and and then I met Chuck and Deno and and Sean and Ron and yeah all these people and yeah that, so and I think that was really um, a hook to the spoon carving because suddenly you have like at 12 so it was six o'clock on the east coast so it was 12 o'clock during the day in in, in germany so I, I in the middle of the day i just go, got out out from my lunch break to hide somewhere in the city in a quiet corner <laughs> put my phone on zoom and and just uh carve a spoon in the, in, the, in lunch break with some people so that was yeah that was funny so there and i think that was some kind that really something that really hooked me up to it so that I think that was uh-huh. uh, and to to have people with you to have a, a community and to have conversation while carving and yeah and then um, pandemic came and suddenly uh, the channel was open twenty four hours so that was and then that made me carve many spoons. <laughs> yeah, good timing. I started two thousand eighteen, I think, and the same thing like. It was a good timing to find something like that with lots of time and yes. something you can do on your own or like in your case, uh, online with other people. It kind of just fit really well, huh? Absolutely. Um, ah, yes. Yeah, so you were on Rise Up and Early, really uh, quite early then. Like, yes. yes. Uh, when it started. Cool. And you're still quite often there, right? Yeah, I, I try to. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a night owl, I think. So I go to work, I come home, I... Some, then I do some X work most of the time before uh, um, lunch or you know, yeah, it's lunch or dinner. Dinner. Yeah. Then, then we have dinner as a family, and then I go to sports, or I just go into my carving room under the roof here and carve a spoon. And then sometimes it's twelve, sometimes it's one o'clock in the morning, and yeah, I, I try to finish what I X out before. So yeah. That, kind of routine for uh-huh. me yeah. yeah very cool and did you so when you first started you were on holiday did you then you more or less taught yourself i guess rise up you had people like you that's the quite nice thing you can ask questions and show them literally so it's almost like you've got teachers there you know did you do any classes or courses or or how did you teach yourself not really i i, I saw the the videos from whoever you normally watch in the beginning like Emmett van Driesch or Spoon Carving with Tom and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. YouTube um, videos, yeah. I think also when when you're already uh, uh, um, working with your hands uh, and always um, I was wood turning was another thing so I think I had an idea of the grain structure in the wood already and also when you uh-huh. when you're doing, making bows you, you have to really take a look at the grain how it, it runs through the wood so um, I, I think I pretty much taught myself, but I catch up a lot from YouTube and 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 Zoom, um, mm. I would say. And yeah, um, and and when you already um, know how the structure in the wood is, and and you already know how a knife works, then it's not that it's not so much more you need. So I think 
that's an I think that's a nice thing about spoon carving that it's basically quite simple. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you need very simple tools and only and you, the material is really simple and for the most people quite easy available and cheap so i think i always say it's the fir- the best the perfect hobby i so everything else you need a lot of equipment you you make a lot of mess you make a lot of dirt yes you have these wood chips in your room but you can swipe swoop them up and that's okay you know then (laughs) when you when you making a all the other when i was making knife handles there was a lot of grinding and the dust was crawling over the whole goldsmith's workshop and 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 messing up everything so it's yeah and those the the wood chips are much better to handle (laughs) (laughs) that's not a bad problem yeah definitely can be worse than a few wood chips like that in it's your just, clothes and things it's just uncomfortable when you find them in the bed but it's that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah and then why like you just keep carving then it's more of a philosophical f- philo- philosophical question then like why do you keep carving like kind of what does it give you i guess you just enjoy while you're doing it you enjoy the spoon at the end maybe some people yeah, enjoy selling the spoons and enjoy giving them away is there one part of that you think, ah, this is why I love it, or is it just the whole thing? No, absolutely, I know why. Um, I think um, why when when um, my day job went more and more technical and and computery, um, I really miss was missing doing something with my hands, and um, and I think um, a spoon is such a simple object. It's just a bowl and a stick. You know, and you just have to connect it. It's it's everybody knows the spoon, and 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 so it's really simple. You don't have this fear mm-hmm. of of making something great or something. You have to do now something really marvelous. It just need to be functional. It just need to hold a little bit of soup and uh, or muesli, and that's it. So it's really easy to step into it. And on the other side, a spoon is a very complex form as well because you have. Like the top view, the side view, the bottom view, we have a real, a real 3D object which has many lines that has have to merge into each other and really are connected to each other. So when you carve away the outline, you that affects the side profile as well. And so you have to work yourself around a quite complex structure. If you want to really make a beautiful spoon, uh, you, you can't only take a look at the top view. You always have mm-hmm. to make a nice side view as well. And all these different views are connected to each other. And so I think that's what I like. I think I really like to play around with these forms, with these floating lines. And mm-hmm. I think that there is some general beauty. So, uh, for, for example, uh, you can look at a spoon and you know, oh, that's a good spoon. Oh, that's a spoon. Oh, wow, that's a spoon. You know, mm. and think these, wow, that's a spoon spoons are, everybody mm-hmm. thinks that's, is, this is the one, you know? So yeah. I think everybody has, everybody has like, um, a pretty much, so everybody has their own opinion or their own view of beauty. But I think there's also a general beautiness or something like that. So mm-hmm. that, like when I saw the first Adam Hawker spoon, for example, you know, it was just 
a really beautiful spoon and it's so well carved and the lines are floating and then he has these little dupe dupes and you know it's just so joyful and, yeah and 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 i think that's what i since i saw these spoons i think i always try to aim uh, that so that you have a spoon where you look at it and it's oh nice you know yeah. I think that's that's the goal. Like chasing those uh, those you know, or not chasing. Somehow that sounds a bit yeah. too like uh, <laughs> a bit too eager. But somehow, yeah, just doing it, it and then finding those uh, it, those it, it, kind it, of come from from somewhere. Sometimes, right? You can't always plan and make one of these like super super special spoons. Can't be every time. I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but but it's definitely a chasing because yeah. you can and you can take a template from a Lee John Phillips or Adam Hawker of some from people you really making really beautiful spoons and you can draw it at exactly as you want and you can mm. carve the line exactly as you want and it's still not that that Something. thing and you sometimes you just have to tweak a very little bit to carve away less than a tens of a millimeter and suddenly it's it's there you know yeah and and, and so yeah I'm, I'm really chasing that that thing that nice floating line i think mm -hmm. yeah that kind of mastery to a degree like yeah i guess with me i have a few spoons now where i'm like oh this is a really nice one and and it, i don't quite know also um yeah, I don't. I didn't put specifically a lot more time into it. I don't know if it was the headspace I was in, or sometimes it's the the piece of wood for some reason. But um, with me, it's still like every now and again, one is like, "Oh, this is a really special one. I want to hang on to for a while," or something like this. But I guess with these people, Adam Hawke or, or or people that are really good, this is just more often like, or maybe for them it's the same, and this isn't for them special. But for the rest of us, we look at it, and everyone is special i guess there's just levels to this right <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's absolutely it, it's it's just yeah i think that's my personal goal to really achieve mm -hmm. that as much as possible yeah and i i definitely have like a, a not giveaway box <laughs> i have a box yeah. of spoons where i put all these spoons i i'm really proud of and i really think oh i hit the right moment something like that yeah. um but um, that also changes a lot. So when I uh, up, once in a while I open up this box and and take a look at the spoons in there, and I find some spoons from three, four, five, six months or one or two years ago, and I I still can see what I really like at them, uh, but um, they are not that special to me sometimes. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's just and that's it's definitely a chasing. It's it's always chasing a new new better form or uh, the next better form or and then it's also good to just take it to the side and be okay with it because it it's done you know i i really mm -hmm. like to finish the spoon at once so i'm i hate finish cuts i i yeah i act it out i go to the spoon i go as close as possible to a nice form and then i i really try to make an accurate spoon with the knife and then I want to I as try as finish cuts as most finish cuts as possible, and and just I, I would like to not touch it anymore after yeah. that. Just yeah, yeah, I have the problem too, where yeah. I where I often do leave a bit because I don't know. Sometimes do not have a problem with um, 
the spoons warping or twisting as they dry. It depends what sort of wood you're using, I, I suppose. But sometimes I have the case where I carve it quite nice and symmetrical and I look at it uh, a few days later dried and it's really warped. And I'm like, ah, I wish I left some more on there to kind of play with. But is that not so, not so much of a problem for you? Um, I think I, I I think I I use a lot of quite seasoned wood, so mm -hmm. it's and I have, luckily and knock on wood, I I have a lot of wood. I um, um I I had a whole plum tree last year. I have two plum trees this year. I find a lot of cherry. Um, I have a big walnut stump. I have, I got a whole apple tree. So many people who who, I, who know me say, ah, oh, my my grandfather is cutting down this and that, and so I have a big stack of wood, and I can really. So I, I probably carve one spoon out of this piece of wood, and people like Rachel or Don Legetti will carve like five spoons or even more out of that piece mm -hmm. of wood. So I, and and when when it's really straight grain, and when it's really. Um, well seasoned wood it's not warping much much less than it so then it's that's that's very easy or that's much nicer mm -hmm. to work with some material that allows you to cut the uh, spoon nearly finished yeah so, that's yeah. nice if you have that and the space um yeah to, to season wood and keep track do you just do you date it or do you just kind of know do you have a wood pile outside and you just kind of have it in your head when you got what and yeah, yeah, pretty much. So yeah. I pretty much always, uh, many times I get just a whole stump or something like that. So it's nice to identify. And I, I just leave it as long as possible, like one meter or one and a half meters or something like that. I just leave the long piece. Mm -hmm. I try to cut it where some knots are so I can cut that off later. And it just hold the whole stump together. And then I cut up a piece and process it to blanks quite quickly and um, put it in water and then spoon mule it as soon as possible so I I most of the time I have like a box of blanks and I just grab one and and carve a spoon yeah <laughs> and you're you're using a spoon uh, mule or shave horse is that the same thing uh, it's not the same uh, a spoon sh a shave horse holds the material from above and yeah. the grabs this the piece of wood from the side and i really like to the spoon mule which grabs the material from the side um and because then you have the whole time the you see the whole object you you you're carving and mm -hmm. i think quite nice especially for spoons that you you see the whole thing the whole time um i, I made a, a demo on rise up and carve when i was Doing showing my template, and there where I was explaining a lot of uh, how to use the spoon mule or how I do use the spoon mule. I know there are experts like Dawson and and other and Dave the Bodger who work with the spoon mule a lot and have also great videos on that. Um, yeah, but yeah, if you are searching for a, a, a how to spoon mule, then. The YouTube video from Rise Up and Calf is another possibility to maybe see uh, another mm -hmm. pro process. Yeah, and that's your standard way. Like you use that on like every spoon, unless obviously you're on holiday or somewhere where you don't have it. You you use it. Yeah, I if if I if it's possible, I carry the spoon <laughs> with me on holiday. Yeah, check I it use, in. <laughs> uh, 
use the pattern maker's wise, and if worse comes to worse, I just have an axe and have can't use the spoon wheel. But I I, I normally use the spoon wheel on every spoon. Yeah. I think that's from my work. I always try to also aim some kind of efficiency, and um, I think with the spoon wheel you can go much quicker and more accurate to uh, a form that is that already show you shows you the, the the spoon that will come out of that piece of wood. And I also I always hollow the bowl on the spoon wheel. So I like all I like the draw knife, the gouge. Um, the gouge helps me to to dig out the the, the bowl a little bit to mm-hmm. um, to to also show me the pattern in the bowl a little bit. Um, so I hollow the bowl like 30, 40, 50 percent on the mule. So that's a it's much easier then uh, and B you can see how the grain runs through the bowl. So you can center, the, on, on the tangential spoon, you can center the rings nicely, uh-huh. and um, you, you find some knots sometimes, and you can just put it in the fire bin uh-huh. or bring spoon burn next time. <laughs> yeah, and uh, um, yeah, spoon burn is a gathering I do every year. So if ever anyone wants to come to Münster, <laughs> yeah, that's a, a nice oh. thing. Yeah, that sounds really cool. How many years have you been doing it now? Just one, two. I think the first time I really did uh, a spoon uh, in twenty seventeen, I called it spoon uh-huh. carving. So the name was different. But what was uh, it called back then? Sorry, a spoon carbonized. Spoon carbonized. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, and we were like ten yeah. people. Yeah. Like that. So um, and and. Since then, I think it grow every year for about a few people. And mm-hmm. uh, in the summer of Corona, we managed to meet with a few people. So that was really nice. So it's it's a constant thing every year. Next year, it will be on the 10th of June. And um, it's, it's, it's just a gathering. It's just a meet and greet. It's, we're not making... We're making a, a beginner course, spoon carving, to involve people around the area to, to spoon carving and to yeah spread the thing but mm-hmm. um, it's it's not about courses and it's not about money it, it's a non-profit thing and we just want to meet and do spoons and yeah, nice. it's called spoon burn so you have to bring all your old spoons that have cracks or that failed or you don't like so and in a ceremony uh, in the evening we just give uh, the spoons back to the fire and yeah burn some spoons burn burn ah nice nice idea to do it together i think well i did the same too i collect up and then and then burnt them but that's quite a nice idea to do it together and that's in minster i guess where you are is that right yeah that's right yeah you're in minster on the uh west side yeah, of germany west- i guess i've never been there and actually yeah, I don't think it's so far from Hamburg, where where I am. I kind of thought it was southern Germany. Like, I don't know why, but it's on the uh-huh. west. Yeah, there yeah. there are more Münsters in Germany, but this Münster is in uh-huh. not Nordrhein-Westfalen, so it's in the northwest. I think the next biggest town is Dortmund. So it's mm-hmm. six from Dortmund. It's 150 kilometers from Bremen. It's uh, I think 200 kilometers from Cologne. Mm-hmm. It's three-hour drive to Hamburg and four or five to Berlin. 
So it's somewhere a little bit in the middle, Norse. It's cl very close to the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cool to know that it's happening and regular. I would love to lo love to come and join myself next time. Um, I wanted to go back a bit more to the to the spoon carving. So we yeah asked kind of why why we do it, and I was thinking like about the question, what does it show you? What does it teach you? I thought, I don't know if you have a an answer about this because I realized myself and it shows me that I'm quite impatient <laughs> because I had it a few times recently, actually, where I'm carving a spoons and I kind of have these ideas and this energy. That's why I like it because I don't know, it's not, uh, yeah, I start doing it and I can keep doing it and it gives me energy is how I would describe it. Like, with with a few words but in saying this i get quite carried away and often i don't put the time into plan so much which might not be bad but an example was i wanted to do lettering and i just kind of thought about the words and i scribbled it on and then started carving it i didn't write it on paper at all or try a few few different fonts or anything and then i realized after like i'd really messed up the big letters and small case letters <laughs> and I was like ah oh, damn I should have taken one minute at least to kind of look at that and I've had the same thing happen yeah in other cases where I I don't know what did I do recently I wanted to roast or put a spoon in the oven to add it some color but it wasn't quite dry because it had a much thicker handle than usual and then it split because I think it was still moist inside and then the hot oven and I was like damn I could have waited <laughs> a day or two but yeah I, I tend to be quite impatient i realized and then it's like ah, i'm aware of it and it's something i now have the chance to like try and work on um i don't know yeah. if you, you have any thoughts on something like what it kind of shows you about yourself maybe dealing with it when they break too is also interesting like how you deal when it cracks or something how do you deal with it might show you something about yourself I, I like I really like the the easy thing about spoon carving. So um, the projects are not that long. You know, I, I carve mm -hmm. a spoon in one or two or three hours. So yeah. I, it's it's compared to a goldsmith's piece, which not usually take eight to fifty hours. Um, it's a quite small job. So it my the impatient. It's not my problem. So normally I use on much bigger things. I, I appreciate that it's like quick, quickly made, mm -hmm. and, um, and I think I also don't want to. I, I'm I'm not looking for a business in spoon carving. I like mm -hmm. it because it's some kind of no chance to make a really business out of it. I know that there are spoon carvers out there who really live from that, and I I, I know how how difficult it is to really make a good living out of spoon carving, mm -hmm. and I have highly respect for them um, but for me it's absolutely I don't really want to earn money with it because I, I, I the whole day I, I make jewelry where it's important if you need five hours or six hours or seven eight hours and I don't want to get that into the spoon carving um, so it gives me patience I would say mm -hmm. so it, it relaxes me because it's no business it's no no I, I i never try to put some time uh limits on spoon carving mm -hmm. and I, 
to keep it fun and not uh, being something I have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it's yeah, it relaxes me, and I think it's really nice to work with something. Um, yeah, metal is really interesting material because it's like play-doh but much harder so you can make everything out of metal it's you just need more force and more machinery and more you have to hit it harder with a hammer or something like that but it can move everywhere and with wood you have to be in communication with the wood you have to mm. see where the grain runs and if and, and sometimes you you have a split off and then you have to deal with this and you have to change the whole design to still make it uh, um, uh, a beautiful spoon and um, yeah I think it's it's and I, I don't think about anything else when I carve spoons I think that's I only have that with sports I play underwater rugby and the minute I'm my head is underwater I'm I'm gone I don't think about job and stress and this problem and that problem and I think with spoon carving it's it's the same when I when I have a spoon in my hand I just think about the spoon mm-hmm. and and because the project is not like five six seven eight hours i i can concentrate on that one spoon and start it and finish it in one flow i think it's the flow i like and, yeah. and with bigger jewelry project projects you have to it's much more difficult to keep the flow for 40 hours or 50 hours for a whole week yeah and, but for three hours it's 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 okay or it's easy to keep the flow and so it's that that's why it's more a relaxing thing and not a it's not a um, i don't know the words it's it's not so stressful stressful yeah but then when you do try something new i i think you've also because of the um rise up spoon challenges <clears throat> which is a really nice thing right to get you to try new things do you then, because my style is also there, like just try it without, and I know some people, uh, Dan Lawrence and some people with their chip carving, they have a block where they practice and with the um, cold rosing or painting or anything testing, I'm really like too impatient to test and go straight to the spoon, which sometimes like bites me in the in the bum and turns bad. But how are you when you do those new things? Do you practice on paper or on other bits of wood or um, no, I never make template. So <laughs> the whole uh, template thing in, at Rise Up start that Don Nalajetti, who always likes to use templates, brought out the yeah. first template, and everybody uh-huh. was spoon. And I said, "Oh, I can do a template too." <laughs> and I just, I, I just pick out a piece of wood where, uh, where, uh, which cracked, but the drawing on that piece of wood was. Appearing, uh, it, I thought it was a nice drawing of a spoon. So I said, "We take this as the next template." And mm-hmm. I wanted to not bring out a template, but then Sunny just made a temp- template out of it, and <laughs> so the the second spoon challenge template was born. And but the orig- original thought of me was not carve with a template; just draw your spoon on the wood, um, and that's what I always try to do um um i i and and so i force myself to do the the spoon carving challenges because even though i don't like the template or even though i don't like templates in general 
it always brings you somewhere else. It, and, and sometimes you really have to do stuff before you know that it's good or bad. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the, the best thing about uh, the Rise Up Challenge, that you you get a lot of challenges. It's, it's really a challenge. Even So I, I, I never was really into chip carving, or I really don't... It, I I like to keep the spoon simple. I'm not so much about spoon decoration, um, but it's it's good when you just try chip carving once, so that you know how it works and what it does for you, or that you can chip carve your initials in it or whatever. Yeah. The same with coal rolling or evenizing or painting or whatever. So. Or the spiral spoon from from uh, uh, Russell, so mm. that are really challenges. You really have to get yourself into it. And yeah, I it's sometimes good to force yourself to something to find new boundaries or to find find more new way of ways of doing stuff. I would say, yeah, yeah. It reminds me what we spoke about at the start, like teaching other people's getting these questions of like them doing it other ways and why don't we do it like this this is a way of kind of forcing to teach you right by doing yeah. the question is why don't we do it like this it's like completely yeah. different template design like why would you or like and then maybe only after trying it you're like actually yeah there is there is something there because it's such a yeah very uh a variety of templates right like completely different and you well i wouldn't probably uh come up with a lot of them myself so it's kind of teaching teaching yourself yeah, are there yeah. any favorites of yours i mean yours was number 20 i think was which was also quite a, a one of your shapes i would say i don't know if a yeah. flowy kind of cooking spoon um number two and the 20 so i did two templates mm -hmm. since um and oh no i i, I don't have a favorite template i guess mm -hmm. they are really good templates in it and um um i i, I don't because i normally don't use templates i don't have a mm -hmm. favorite i, I yeah. it's always more like a playing around yeah i think i think it's it's more like having an idea so seeing a ceramic spoon and 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 thinking oh wow that oval shape is something i have to try or seeing a um, um a swoop here and a swoop there and 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 the neck bowl transition like like andrea did on on the on the ladle and stuff like that so it's it's i i really like to catch up things little pieces of little parts of spoons other people do and and try to get that into my my thing i mm. think that, that's what i always try to aim and then find this beautiful spoon thingy <laughs> yeah yeah and swapping having spoons of others i got one of yours at the uh, von hund festival which was yeah. cool and this already also made me ah think about different things you have i think quite often on your cooking spoons a slight uh slopey handle like a s shape yeah. from the bowl up sloping down which i like never really do on my eating spoons. I'm more of a upward sloping kind of guy. <laughs> well, I'm the downward sloper. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I 
couldn't quite like mm. but now with the um serving spoon i got one of yours like there it's really nice in the hand so i get it there i'm not quite convinced with the eating spoon but i haven't also tried so many myself so what what's your um argument for the downward slope like why do you enjoy this feature i really like the flow of the lines in that so i think mm. i i always pretty much always do a pron pronounced keel I, I pretty much um, always do a, a floating line from the side of the bow into the handle. So I, I pretty much never do a stop cut there, or how do you say, a, a, a 90 degree thingy. Yeah. Um, and I most of the time I put another grain change into the handle, um, down the handle in the end. So um, I do a lot of tangential spoons. Um, and that gives, especially with the plum I have lately a lot, um, I try to keep a little bit of subwood in the middle of the handle. And it's much nicer when you go down the ends, um, down the front to the, to the crank and down the end. So you have a little piece of subwood and the rest mm -hmm. is a nice dark red uh, plum wood. And it's, it's, I just find it beautiful. I think I, it it it's just I try to give the 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 spoon these floating lines. I think, yeah. and, and that's so why I do it for so the well. for the visual and. But you also like uh, you know for the for the ergonomics. I think that's the word <laughs> um, yeah. for the actual use of it. You like for the for the serving spoon. I definitely felt like ah, oh, this sits nice in the hand with this down slope. But so it's a combination of both, huh? Like the Oh, optics when, of this flowing line and the mm. yeah but uh, for for the eating spoon it's the same yeah. so um mm. you can go up with the handle and um but you can also rest your spoon nicely in the hand when when the handle is completely curved downwards again so yeah. it's it's not really a difference i think mm -hmm. no yeah yeah i definitely agree with the the optics, I like it, but yeah, I need to try a few more to. <laughs> to I, think, make. I think it's that's, it's maybe that's the thing the interesting about. So everybody's like telling, uh, asking themselves about the style you have. Yeah, and I think I think to find your own style. Um, I I in the beginning I was like trying to find my style of spoon, but mm. uh, I I had no idea how to to do that to find your style. And then Chuck was telling me, uh, the founder of Rise of one session, but you have a style already. So, and, and I yeah. never, I never um, saw that. I, I made spoons, yes, but I, I didn't saw that I had some. I, someone else needed to tell me that I have a style. I didn't mm -hmm. realize it. And I think it's maybe the same with handwriting. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but it's always your handwriting. You always have a style in your handwriting. Um, and I think in the very beginning, you just uh, concentrated on how to carve a spoon in general. But but um, the, as soon as you have your, you know how to carve a spoon, you yeah. start carving in your mm. own handwriting style. So you have, you evolve a, a style just, uh, um, by yourself, just because you you carve a spoon, because you yeah. don't think about how to carve it anymore. You mm -hmm. think how should it look like, and and maybe what also helps is to to just 
draw the spoon with your hand and not use templates so much. I think when you, because when you draw it by, with your hand, you, you that's your hand, right? That's your, mm -hmm. oh, that's your style already, maybe. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. I haven't thought about that. You're, to you're totally right. I mean, yeah, often we think of the style if this person's doing like one kind of spoon and it's totally recognizable. It's like, yeah, the same, but exactly your style is regardless if it's a different kind of spoon, it's still your own, yeah, your own imprint on it. Wow. And you can, you can, I think you can find your style. You, you, mm -hmm. you get it <laughs> or you mm -hmm. have it or yeah. someone have it or something like that. It's, 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 there's no, uh, uh, how do you say, no, no guide to find your style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's already there in a sense, right? Yes. If you're doing it, it's already. Yeah. And you can change it. I think you know mm -hmm. when you carve your 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 the spoons you you draw, you already have. I think, and yeah. hopefully, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Difficult questions, really. I I was running yes. up style for a long time, and then I suddenly Chuck told me it's there. It's there. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Hey, cool. Um. I won't keep you too much longer, but I have to ask you a little bit about tools because, yeah, this is another uh, another part of uh, of your work or something kind of about you. I noticed at the Von Hand you had all these tools. You have so many tools, a really impressive collection, uh, much more than uh, most people, I guess. Um, so why? Maybe one question would be, why do you have so many tools? How did that happen? Like, can you answer that? Uh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I I think I came to, as I told, I came to spoon carving because of that knife from Rich Schwarz. So yeah. I wanted that knife and I couldn't get it because it was really annoying to buy a knife from Rich Schwarz because he said on at 12 o'clock, blah, 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 I released 20 knives and you sit on the computer and refresh, 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 two o'clock at night in Europe. And by the time I click on the item, as soon as it appears, um, and during the buying process and typing in my address, it was gone. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I I just asked other people, and then uh, I had I, st I think I started pretty much with with Matt White, um, where he also started. Um, I started buying Amora with uh, um, his handle. Um, at, that was one of my first spoon knives, I guess. Um, I had a file spoon knife which was really shitty my first real good hook knife was a hans carlson and i was mm -hmm. I, I also in jewelry i always find to find the right tool for the job i always so i'm i always say i'm so lazy that i want to have the perfect tool for it i don't want to waste time i don't want to spend more time on or more effort on doing something so i mm -hmm. always look at things also more like technical and try to find the best tool for that job and so i just started buying knives to try to find out why do they what was the guy who's made it thinking about it why mm -hmm. is make why did he make a strong belly why did he make it so pointy why did he make this curve in that hook knife why um did he 
grind the tip of the hook knife this way or that way? Why did he make the rails? And and I think every good tool maker has his own vision of how a hook knife, especially or even a straight knife, should be. Straight knives are a little bit more, a little bit easier because there are not so many varieties, but still a lot. And so I keep on on buying stuff I could and mm-hmm. trying out. I, I was just curious. Just fascinated I, by the yeah, subtle differences and, and what they've what the, the potential the, was, why they made it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one day I got the the uh, the, the Sloyd knife from James Wood. It's like twelve centimeters or something like that. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. I got it, I put a huge handle on it and, and I thought it was a nice Damascus blade and um I couldn't carve it. It was just too big. It felt yeah. like a head knife in my hand. Yeah. But, and I, I I put it away and, and then just I don't know, a few weeks or months later I picked it up again and then I realized because the blade is so huge, so long, it's really easy to hold the angle when you cut a facet. Because mm-hmm. when you have a like short knife, it it can wiggle around much more. And when you have a long knife, it's much easier to just slice one big shaving and, and the facet is done. And and things like that really keeps me going to buy more tools and try them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you so, really so sorry. I wanted yeah, to say, and you really use the t- like all of the tools. You obviously like can appreciate these beautiful things, but I know some people like, get quite precious about their tools, and like they spend a lot of money and then hardly ever use it because it's like, oh, this is such a nice knife. But uh, I don't think that's the case with you. You, no. you know what I mean? Have you seen these people? It was with me also with a nice new axe. This. Um, um Kaltoff X. Like I hardly used it because I was just for the first few months like, oh my such a nice axe. But now I kind of got over it and I use it all the time. I love it. But uh you've probably seen people with yeah, the this. First, the first scratches are the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um I try to use them pretty much all. So I have one tool wall with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, with 15 blades or something like that which I, I always carry with me when I carve a spoon. And I have a tool with like sort of secondary knives I like to use or the ones that don't really fit in the first one. And then I have a third tool uh, with th- things I don't use so much, but still are really nice. Mm-hmm. And then I have a box where the spoon knives go that, are, that I tried and find out, but find something better maybe. Mm-hmm. So um, um, maybe one day I come to a stage where I can also sell spoons, spoon knives again. But right now I still would like to have them and try them. And because you you can have like a James Wood knife, which you don't like in the beginning, and then suddenly mm-hmm. you like it. You really find out why it's good. What what's mm-hmm. the what the thing? What he was thinking doing it. So, um, but I, I, I have to, I, I, lately I really, Werner is always making fun of me. I, I, in 2017, I went to his spoon fest and I was this new guy, this young guy with the big, I had a, I made myself a tray, like a three um, level tray to fit all my knives that I can see and use them all 
immediately. And uh-huh. I was getting there, and there were all like, all these three knife guys, and I get there with my three three <laughs> storage template uh, 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 how do you say uh, tray I mean, like levels of yeah. yeah and they were laughing about me and I, I knew that they were laughing about me and, and made fun of me and but I think they now Werner is still laughing about me because I because I'm the tool guy for him and but he 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 do it more respectfully because I I'm mm-hmm. today I think I carve quite okay spoons so yeah <laughs> The, the outcome is maybe a good um, um, argument for having a few more tools than other people. And I think it's an appreciation for the makers. I mean, um, mm-hmm. I really, it, it supports the maker. And um, I try to find out what this guy was thinking about doing this like that. And I think I'm sort of accurate enough that I see okay this bevel is such a very little different but it makes this and that difference so that i i think i i really try to find the difference in every tool mm-hmm. and i and i really like my tools i really um i i really appreciate these guys finding out how to make a nice spoon knife or slide knife mm-hmm. and yeah I'm, I, yeah, I, but I'm, I'm, I think I uh, reached a plateau. I'm not so much, so much into buying more stuff. No. So it's a fun hunt festival. Then I said, ah, oh, you will buy this, this draw knife from, from this and that guy. And I said, maybe. <laughs> and, I, and there was this big uh, tool flea market and I didn't buy anything. So. Yeah, yeah, I missed that. I had to leave a bit early, but uh, that would have been really cool to like, yeah, yeah see. But you, you very generously um, had your tools there for people to look at and to try, which was, yeah, which was really generous and really nice. If you're just used to your your own one, you don't kind of know until you do try something else, right? Like, ah, wow. Yeah, I, I really wanted to give the people the opportunity to because everybody. I, I I hear that question so many times. So, which hook knife shall I buy? I want mm. to buy the best hook knife. Everybody's searching for the slide knife, mm. the hook knife. And I can say, okay, I have this and that and that and this. And I like this hook knife because of the bevel. I like this hook knife because of the curve. I like mm. Matt White's uh, hook knife because he makes the best hook knife tips. You know, you can't carve that knife from bottom to end, like totally through. And, and it doesn't, catch into the fibers and um, I could say reach rods uh, wood spirit is the most universe curve I know and uh, we don't need to talk about Nick Westerman he's making wonderful extremely sharp extremely durable extremely nice curved long lasting nice flexible so Matt White is making much stiffer blades Nick Westerman making much um, Flexible, more flexible blades, and uh, the way you carve it, you you you, you can find try uh, when you can try different blades, you can find out what you really would like to have. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, if someone wants to know, I maybe can give a hint to this and that because I I tried a few and yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
And it depends, yeah, what you're doing. If it's just eating spoons or, yeah, bigger spoons or shrink pots or bowls, what the specific use is. Do you know, is there anywhere so people can, yeah, find you on Instagram and um, maybe ask you questions about tools or or anything else? Because I'm not sure if there's like a better place, a forum to kind of find out about these things apart from asking directly uh, i had the idea of making some kind of a tool talk on zoom yeah once in a while so like tool friday or something like that and mm-hmm. maybe with with kevin who's like a good moderator and so this is a thought we had in our mind and what something on the list we would like to do in near future um my my Instagram handle is shorsh555. So um, I don't know, I, but it's maybe a little bit too much when everybody shooting me messages about all the mm-hmm. knives I have. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I I usually to festivals I bring as much as possible to maybe let the people try a little bit. Um, yeah. So um, my my plan is really to to make maybe a, a Zoom session, which is maybe also recorded to talk about this knife or that knife or just find out the topic like short slot knives or long slot knives or small hooks big hooks and and Mm -hmm. and talk about this because i think this is everybody's really interested in all these questions but there's not really a resource yet where you can um uh, um look at this knife or that knife and the talk about why is this knife good yeah i would i would never say this or that is bad about the knife it, it's yeah. more like finding out what is good about this and that hook knife and this and about slide knife yeah yeah cool huh? that sounds like a yeah great idea something i'd be interested to and if you did that you would probably do it zoom maybe through the rise up and carve or or yeah yeah that's my yeah. plan to do that okay and do um, a Zoom call and maybe people can join, maybe something quite regular, like mm-hmm. every one or two months, something yeah. like that. And then um, possibly YouTube, I think, is always a good idea. Yeah. If it yeah. stays there, no, it's a resource yeah. someone can go back to and um, yeah, exactly. watch again or yeah, see exactly. later. Wow, cool. Um, we crop that and, and put it on the Rise Up and Calf YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah, great idea. Yeah. Um, any other last things? We've been going for a while now. Is there any other things uh, you would like to mention? I don't know what you have planned, future plans, festivals, something um, something coming up. Any last thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on going to uh, visiting Oren again. I was last year in, in Israel and um, was there at his Festicaf. So this is my last plan for, for this year. I, I just went to Volgalring and then to the Von Hunt Festival and then to Switzerland. So I, I just came home from a three weeks road trip of uh, carving and, and handcraft thing. So, um, but this is definitely the last really traveling plan for this year. And I really would like to go to uh, Clip Knockies, to Pets next year. Um, that's on the bucket list and until then carve some spoons <laughs> twice tools <laughs> and yeah I always try to make tools by myself as well so um, yeah I have I, I, I made a little knife which is slightly bended 
to to um, makes it e a little bit easier to go to the grain chains in the neck um, and and do facets. Um, yeah, and then I have a long bucket list of things I want to try and find out. I think this it's the the spoon carving thing or the greenwood thing is such an endless rabbit hole. So I think I stay there in there for <laughs> a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, trying, yeah, totally. trying, trying handles, making another and I, I lately even get into um, decoration. <laughs> yeah, uh, you decorated spoons with with chip carving, not chip carving, just with the U gouge on mm -hmm. on the. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a big evolution all the time, and continuing growing and morphing and changing and getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel the same. After years, you'd for someone outside, you'd think you might kind of yeah get you okay. I've done that, but. Yeah, I totally agree. There's always these directions you can take it. And yeah, as long as it's uh, fun and interesting and enjoyable, we'll keep doing it, eh? <laughs> so cool. Thanks very much for joining me. And um, yeah, I'll put, put your details in the show notes and things for people to follow your work and, and see what you're up to. So yeah, thanks yeah. again and have a great evening. Thank you too. I, I was really honored that you uh, let me talk about all this. <laughs> stuff <laughs> sure thanks george i think it will be horrible to hear your own voice on but... <laughs> oh don't listen <laughs> well, I, I, I find that always <laughs> but... hopefully someone else listening can can uh can enjoy the conversations i've only heard good things so and it's fun for me again like carving a spoons as long as i enjoy the conversations i'll uh i'll keep doing it myself definitely yeah so see you next time on zoom See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you want to follow the work of George, you can find him on his Instagram account at George555. That's spelled S-C-H-O-R-S-C-H-555. I'm also on Instagram at Rootspoons. If you enjoy the podcast and want to support it, you can do that by buying an Endless Possibilities Carving t-shirt with a link in the show notes. Thanks and happy carving.